You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. Quite structured, quite quite a bit more structured. You know, the, the movie, The Jesus Revolution, I think I, I'd like to say a couple things about just yep, correcting some opinions. For one thing, Chuck Smith was a great Bible teacher going in. He had been in the denomination I was in, and they had run a Sunday school contest. And his church won it after he refused to join it. In other words, his, his church grew to where they wanted to give him the trophy, and he got mad, and he left the denomination over it because he wasn't into that kind of stuff. He was just teaching the word. And and they so offended him by this thing. And so he, he was working in a in a Christian school as an administrator, started teaching a Bible study in Costa Mesa, and it was just growing leaps and bounds. And this little church called Calvary Chapel asked him to come be their pastor. They had this gorgeous building. It wasn't at all like the movie. It was a beautiful little building. We'd seat about 350 people. And when I got involved in the Jesus movement, that building that hold, would hold 350 was accommodating a couple thousand people every weekend. Oh, my. Mm. And multiple services. They knocked out a wall, put in glass, all of that. And so uh, in the movie, Kelsey Grammer, I was thrilled that you know, he came out with his testimony and that he did that movie. But it made him look like a bumbling person going in until, you know, Lonnie Frisbee showed up and all of that. And I, I felt like that that needs to be corrected because Chuck really, and, and I, I heard Chuck two weeks before we started the church, talk about how he did away with, you know, adult Sunday school, all the things that we were doing. And he just taught the through the Bible chapter by chapter. And, you know, he, he would do on a Sunday night, he'd go through 10 chapters in two hours. Oh, That's my. a long time to sit. Wow. He's got hundreds of hippies sitting there listening to him wow. uh the floor and the aisles are all full of people and because they they ran out of seats and all that people are sitting outside looking in the windows pretty soon that was our story uh except for i couldn't do 10 chapters i would do one chapter uh one in the new testament in the morning and one in the old testament at night and uh so i th- i think that needs to be corrected the other thing that i felt like is that uh, Lonnie Frisbee mm. was into the things of the spirit and the conflict that was there had to do with people falling down in the spirit, uh, more of the miraculous um, Chuck coming out of the denomination I came out of uh, was a little bit reactive against excess, what we would see as excess. And there was no conflict over I'm going to take over the church or I'm rebelling against Chuck any of that that needs to really be right. corrected and i i think another thing that i would just like to add to this is greg glory who has become a national figure as a teenage boy uh, what you see in the movie is lonnie discipling greg uh, greg designed this little track and it was there was two of them little surfer dude cartoon tracks they made a vast impact on the world and it was it was just right in the groove of where we needed to be, and millions of those things were put out. And and I, you know, before I ever met Greg, I'm in awe. I like I'm 
28 years old and, and I'm in awe of this 16 year old kid who made this track. I want to meet the guy. And it wasn't until years later, I was in Hawaii that we actually did meet. But um, I, I, I think, I think the movie was great. I'm really glad it was out there. I, I think that the three main people that you need to look at are, are, are Chuck and Lonnie and, and, and we all know that Lonnie died of AIDS and all of that, but the man was used of God. And then Greg, and, and I think, um, thank God for all these people and the influence they've had in my life. Mm, that's such a helpful insight. Very good. Um, I, I, I was wanting to ask you about the Holy Spirit. You've already been talking about him quite a bit, but clearly any move of God has a strong dose of the Holy Spirit involved for obvious reasons. Um, so, just talk a bit more about how you saw the spirit at work in people's lives and, and kind of how you knew the spirit was at work amongst you. Um, again, coming back to my own youth, I, I grew up in a, in a Pentecostal church, but it acted like a Baptist church. So I'd go to youth camp and I would meet Pentecostal culture. I would be in church and it was very much like it could be Bill Hybels. Right. And it was there wasn't much of the spirit. And and in, in my junior year in high school, they brought in a speaker who, you know, pressed the issue of speaking in tongues and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I had an experience with God that was really touching. Mm-hmm. And then I, I went to the Bible college and it was part of the mother church. And it was depressing. And, it, it you know, we, I'd seen photographs of 6000 people in this church. And now there's 400 and I was forced to work in their Sunday school because they didn't have any workers. And so, you know, again, very, very, very conflicted and not, not really knowing what's what. And so on the one hand, I, 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 I've grown up in the program. On the other hand, I'm hungry for the things of the spirit. And then on the third hand, I'm looking at the people who represent the things of the spirit as kind of phony, you know, pushing things you know, people being pushed over to fall down backwards in the spirit. And, um, and I know those things are real. They've happened. It happened to my wife. It's never happened to me, but on my ordination after the college thing, you know, seven people came around laying hands on all of us graduates and seven pairs of hands, 14 hands pushing on you. I was, I just prayed, Lord, I'm going to put one foot behind the other. So if I fall down in the spirit, It'll really be the spirit. It won't be these guys pushing me. Yeah. I was the only one left standing out of about 50 people. And so I became cynical. And and then what really kind of pried all that open was watching what God was doing at Calvary Chapel and, and all of the stories of deliverance from drugs and all that. And then we began to enter into that. And that so that kind of became the Holy Spirit's tunnel into our lives that uh, we would pray with people that were strung out on acid, yeah. uh, you know, people who had really blown their minds, crazy people, and they'd be sane. And yeah. and and that 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 kind of um, the, the spirit did something fresh in in my life, yeah. um, in the lives of several of us who were there, who were a little programming, and that was. That was really 
what drove the community and 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 we we saw the power of god and we saw the power of love we saw that the churches around us weren't very loving and we were pretty much you know come come as you are and yeah work from there yeah yeah tell us a bit about how the hope chapel movement was birthed um for those that, and again don't assume knowledge there'll be some folks here who watching who don't know anything about hope chapel they might not have even heard of it so just give us that and a bit of perspective on how it's grown, but also just like particularly the the origins of it because its roots are in the Jesus movement, aren't they? So, oh, the the roots certainly are in the Jesus movement. Uh, again, back to the story I told earlier that the guy in the Philippines, um, the missionary in the Philippines that had, had yeah. seen this rapid growth, moved to America, and I brought him to speak in our church. And at this point, we'd started one congregation, so Hope Chapel movement started with 12 people in Manhattan Beach, California. It ended up in, in, in the first Sunday. Angeles, for those who don't know the area, that's, that's, that's Los yeah, Angeles. Los Angeles, California. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we were told all the stuff that was happening, the good things that were happening, our denomination said, well, that works at the beach, but that wouldn't work anywhere else. I mean, th- those kinds of craziness were going on. But we... Um, we had planted a church. Uh, we had some people who lived uh, just the geography of that part of Southern California. They lived about eight miles from us, but there was no freeway access. And it was all surface streets, a lot of stoplights. And they'd come on Sunday morning, but they wouldn't come back to the Sunday night thing because they had little kids and they needed to get them to bed and all that. So they came and said, could we have this guy, Richard Agosino? come and lead a, a Sunday night church service in a house. And he could teach on whatever you're teaching on. And, you know, on Manhattan Beach Boulevard, he could teach it in South Torrance, California. And so we did that. And Rich and I had become really close friends. We would, uh, we were very aware of Dawson Trotman and the Navigators because we're looking for models. We're looking for uh, what we see as church we don't like. Uh, what we saw in the Navigators, we did like. What we saw in Chuck Smith, we did like. So we're looking for, we're young. I mean, we're 28 years old, whatever. And um, so Rich and I would go to Palos Verdes, California, where Dawson Trotman would sit and pray over the harbor in San Pedro. Okay. And we would walk the perimeter of a golf course every Monday morning, Get up at, meet at 6 o'clock in the morning, get up at 5.30, and walk and pray. And so these guys asked, can Rich come down and lead Sunday night church? And that was all fine. About eight weeks in, he comes and says, they they want to become their own church. We want to call it Branch of Hope. So I'm still in the denomination. I'm still wearing a suit. And I go, well, you can't do that because the denomination says they can only have one of their churches in one town. There's already two in Torrance, so you can't do that. Uh, the, the name you can't use for two reasons. One is the denomination wouldn't let you use that name. The other is we don't want it to say branch of hope because it looks like we're trying to be a denomination and we don't want that. And the third was you didn't go to Bible college. Now here I am. I'm influenced by a guy in the Philippines, but the denomination in America says you got to go to the Bible college and you didn't go to the Bible college. You can't do it. And, um, about three, four weeks and he went along with it. About three or four weeks go by, and I ran I ran into a friend of mine, a guy named Roy Hicks Jr., and he told me, you know, it's it's easier to get forgiveness than permission. Just go do it and tell them that you did it. 
And so we did. And when I told them that we did it, they loved it. And so that kind of got the ball rolling. Well, the next thing was because we were making disciples who made disciples, we actually were doing microchurch and not knowing it. Okay. And so the denomination comes to us and they have a building that is empty. Do we have anybody that could become the pastor and start a new church? Because that's what I did. I We started a church in an empty church building that had been closed. So we sent somebody there. And the next thing you know, they've got another one that's nearly dead. And we sent somebody there. And that was a mistake because a nearly dead church will fight back. Right. And, you know, they, they want to they preserve what has yeah. run them down and not do anything new. And so... But they, probably the first 12th, I was the 12th, I was the 30th guy to leave that church 12 years after we started it, when I left to go plant in Hawaii. I was the 30th church planter. Wow. But probably out of the first 10 or 12, five of them or six were the denomination coming to us with an empty building. And so we would just kind of look around and go, you know, who's got a big Bible study or who's got a big nav group going because they're 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 a pastor and they could, give, you know, and that got us rolling. And and then, you know, we begin to codify things and learn how to do things. And mm-hmm. one thing led to another. And how just, just to give you a sense of perspective, how large is would you say is the Hope Chapel movement or extended family now? A number of years ago, I got involved with exponential 2016 and they started asking me that question Mm. and i was telling everybody about 1400 churches and after i told them that i began to wake up in the morning every morning for a while feeling guilty like i had exaggerated there's probably a thousand churches not you know they're really only about 80 that i've ever had my fingers in I, i know how to to raise up pastors who raise up pastors who raise up pastors and so um, what I did, though, in response to the exponential was I, I went into my Outlook contacts, just Microsoft Outlook. And in anybody, because we were a movement, we weren't an organization. We wouldn't let ourselves be an organization. We knew that if I was the president of something, it would slow it down. Mm. And so we, we stayed disorganized, loosely organized. And we're a fellowship. We're not you know we didn't even have an annual gathering uh today we would for sure do it by zoom but for for one thing it got out of hand and we didn't have a lot of money because we're always investing money in the next church we don't have money for the ones that already went out the door but i went through my contacts and i just began to ask um did you change your name what is your name uh remind me when you started how many churches have you planted can i have their contact and so I pushed this thing out and I built this big monster, actually a Word document, and I found 2,217 churches. Wow. Or 2,117 churches. I can't remember which. And by the, and I told Exponential that. Well, by the time I got to the first conference, a few months later, a couple months later, there were five more churches. So I think it was like 2,122 churches or Wow. Something like that. Anyway, um, we've we've still loosely kept track. And, and by that, what I mean is I published the document that I made to all the pastors that I had talked to. Right. 
But I also, on that mailing list, I had the ones who didn't respond to my survey. So I sent them the survey. So then I, I get back, why didn't you include my churches? We started 40 churches. And, and so now we know there's more. And wow. then we've heard of, of, of more yet. And, you know, one guy, there were a hundred and some churches in uh, East Africa. And wow. I ran into him three years ago. And now there's close to 300 churches. So we okay. estimate that it's between 25 and 2,600 congregations in the world. And if, if you average that out, because some are huge, the biggest church in Hawaii right now is one of our guys. And uh, some are quite small but if you average them at around 100 you're looking at a quarter of a million people that are actively in church and then if you think about all the people who died over the years and went to heaven there's a lot of folks and so that's That's kind of the scope incredible that's amazing wow that's extraordinary i i want to add a caveat though the 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 difference between us and some other people Mm -hmm. is that we actually at one point counted there's a lot of people out there who've made disciples, who've made disciples, who've made disciples, and nobody is applauding them because they didn't take the time to count and, and, and make a big deal. I don't think it's as big a deal as other people think it is. I, I think if, you know, Dave Ferguson once uh, used the term in, in an exponential event. The, the the Jesus movement, and then he qualified it. He said the original Jesus movement. And it hit me um, that we don't own this thing that we call the Jesus movement. We yeah. we almost trademarked it, you know. Yeah. The, the movie, The Jesus Revolution, I'm glad it was called The Jesus Revolution because it was a revolution. Yeah. But the Jesus movement started 2,000 years ago. Absolutely. And um, yeah. And we just need to sort of humble ourselves and realize we're just little part in a big thing that yeah. God's been doing for a long time. Yeah, totally. I, I love your your humility, Rafa. And, and, and you know, when we've talked on different occasions, I've always been struck by it, just how humble and gracious you are. But um I just want to honor you for that. That's an incredible way the Lord has used you and your ministry and 26, 27, it might be 2900 by the time we finish recording, you know, but that's, that's an extraordinary thing. So, and it's super encouraging. I think it's encouraging for people to hear that God is doing that in our time in this yeah. in these days in, you know, supposedly cynical post-Christian West. So, so that's really cool. Um, uh, a question I, I, I jot down is this, that the Jesus movement especially seemed to impact young people. Now, obviously, we're 50 years on, so we we don't want to just carbon copy it. But how would you exhort young uh, believers today? You know, it might be in teens, 20s, whatever, early 30s, but just young people today who are watching you and they're disciples of Jesus and they they, they, they hear your, your talk or maybe they watch the movie or whatever it is. And they're kind of like, oh, this, this is cool. You know, um, what would you say to them if? if I, I would say um, several things. First, let me again. I like to give a context. There's yeah. a there was a book written in 1982 called Generations, and it's the the subtitle was the history of America's future. And they said that the 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 main premise of the book is that every four generations from the Puritans, we think of the Puritans as old people wearing black clothes, they were the most well educated cohort 
generational cohort in the history of America. And because they were Oxford and Cambridge graduates who rebelled against the church. Right. They tried to purify it. That didn't work. So they moved to the new world to start over. Mm-hmm. But but beginning with that generation, every four generations, you, you see this cycle. And 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 we're, there's these people have written a new book now called The Fourth Turning, which is really worth reading. And they're saying that this aggressive the baby boom fit the profile of the of the mm. Puritans. Our attitude when we came up, even before the Jesus movement, was you people have destroyed the church. We're going to save it. We know what we're doing. You don't. And cocky and arrogant and a little bit stupid. But the the, the Lord worked. The Lord works with whoever is there yeah. to the extent that he can. Yeah. And this aggressive nature we're going to go do something different, uh, kind of freed us up. So what I would be saying to people who are now in the fourth turning, who are young people who are coming up, is go for it. And probably what you're going to need to do has a lot to do with what we're calling microchurch, because the, the, the climate, sociological climate, the political climate is a raid against you. So seek the Lord. Engage the miraculous as much as you can. Operate in love. Uh, operate in love toward those who don't like you. And mostly, um, you're going to have to deal with people in the church who don't like what you're doing. And I think that you uh, find your forms. Find find what forms work in your generation with your people. Mm. And I think there's there's great hope for the world. But I, But I think it because I think that the Holy Spirit is is not dead and is going to do a new move. I don't think it because I look at the church in America and think, oh, wonderful things are happening. Because even as I tell the story of Hope Chapel, these days it's a story mostly of other places in the world. That's where it's growing. Right. Uh, where it's it's kind of slammed to a halt are in the centers of, of where we did what we did. Uh, the, the, America, the church in America has changed and and is is hurting badly and i pray for it but but i i believe that there are those young people and and you know even alex as we're talking the chances that somebody in the fourth turning is listening to this are pretty slim because the church has pretty much let them down and 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 so those rare people who are listening to this i i I thank god that you're there and i'm praying for you If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at ralphmoore.net.